This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Vols. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to The Rest is PR. My name is Lyle Fulton, and I'm joined by the clearly very warm, uh, yeah, very just, wrapped up. Just wrapped myself up. Yeah, I mean, it's that time of year, isn't it? The wonderful it Jackie Vores. Jackie, other than being warm, how are you this week? How are you I'm very well, thank you very much. How are good. you? Yeah, very, very good. Very, very good. I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, I think, as I've said on previous episodes, I love this time of year, sort of as we're heading towards Christmas. My family will tell you, and my, my, my wife in particular will tell you that I'm a Christmas fanatic. I go Christmas mad. I still but wake. But as an actor, you're getting yeah. busy as well. Very, very you? lucky. Very, very lucky. By the time this goes out, I will probably be in the midst of either oh, rehearsals or even doing the show. I'm, I'm lucky enough to be performing in the Christmas Carol this Christmas. I'm playing the lovely Charles Dickens, so I'm going to do a bit of narration, and it's going to be really fun, actually. It's in the theatre I've worked at before. Do you, do you go into method? Do you kind of, like... I am Charles. <laughs> it's really interesting, actually. We've never really touched on this. No, I don't. I occasionally. If... It's a good job because at home you'd be talking to Alice and going, forsooth. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. Alice walked towards the fridge to grab her bottle of water. <laughs> Little did she know what was to come. Uh, I'm going to sneeze now. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless you. This is there the we first. go. Go on. First, oh, first, first sneeze. First the sneeze of the pod. <laughs> That's never making it in in a million years. Ah! Um, I'll make it in. Who cares? Who cares? There you go. Um, but yeah, no. So, I mean, it's weird. I don't, I don't go into bed. Every now and again, I, if I have a prop or something that is around me, like a resource around me when I'm in rehearsals or on stage and what have you, I'll kind of draw on something from that. It sounds kind of very actory and stuff. But an example I'd used recently is I played a Swiss French scientist in a play called Mosquitoes. We went on tour to Lancaster and he's a recovering uh, alcoholic so he's been sober for however long and then he has a rather unfortunate encounter with his partner's sister I'll just put it that way I'll try and be as uncrude as I can Um, it's somewhat frightening for him and I have to carry some a glass of beer and a glass of water off the stage and he's drinking the glass of water and she was drinking the beer and then the following scene I come on and I've had some beer and it was the first time I'd done it in a while where I, it's not real beer, obviously, but I kind of was like, maybe he would drink the beer off stage. And so there is some method in that, that kind of mm. like drawing on, you know, the fact yeah. that he hadn't touched beer. So I kind of do that. My wife, however, is a big emotional prep person. So I'm currently using her headphones that she will need back from me because she likes to listen to music that gets her then in a particular zone um, that then sort of allows her to drive into the scene. So she's kind of one of those people. She's absolutely wonderful and she's so lovely and very bubbly and joyous. Uh, anyone who has met her will, will tell you that. But I imagine, I've never been in a rehearsal space with her, but I imagine sort of 30 seconds before she's used to go and do a scene, it's like just, you know, well, she's do her thing. Well, she's about to play Brutus, isn't she? Yes, yes, she's in about to play Brutus in Julius Caesar. production of Julius Caesar, which is amazing. Really amazing cool. as yeah. being a, a lady actor doing yeah. a very central male role. Yeah, and it's being played as a woman. So yeah. they've kind of completely flipped the whole thing on its head. So this will be with a company I've worked for quite a lot this year uh, called Ovo, um, who are based over in St. Albans for the time being. They, they may move around, we're not too sure yet. But Ovo based in St. Albans. And it's with a company called Knuckle Down, a theatre company called Knuckle Down. So they're doing a partnership with Ovo. And... 
yeah, they've kind of really flipped it on its head. It's set in 1970s communist Italy, and uh, Brutus is being played by my lovely wife, Alice, and she's playing it as a woman. Portia is also still a woman, so there's like kind of that relationship there. And Cassius is being played by a woman as well. So the central characters are very much kind of love it flipped into sort of female characters. Caesar is still being played by a man, and Mark Antony is being played by a man. Um, but other than that, it's a very, very female-dominated cast. It's going to be very, very exciting. That kicks off, uh, I was going to say, next week. But, and how uh, does that sort of um, mentally affect Alice in her preparation to play a man that's a woman, that's well, a very yeah. famous man role? So it's strange. Alice has always been a big fan of the male canon in Shakespeare, and I don't think it's necessarily going out of my way to say that whilst there are some fantastic female characters in Shakespeare and Shakespeare, I love talking about this because my wheelhouse is what I trained in. Um, Shakespeare wrote some astonishing male characters. And so yeah. that's obviously something that uh, actors like Alice and I'm sure other female actors as well have throughout sort of the course of time since acting has been a thing, been quite jealous of. And increasingly, you know, that's kind of being subverted and flipped on its head. And, and you know, women are now being invited in my opinion, totally rightly, to play roles like Hamlet, to play roles like... I mean, it is a complete flip, isn't it? Because in Shakespeare's time, the men Men would have played women. Boys used to play the women. Yeah, exactly right. It's a complete flip. I love it. Exactly. And and I think she, her prep has been interesting because obviously I think she had a very, she loves the play and she's always loved the role of Brutus. And she's so excited and to, to be in the production and she was so excited when she got given the role but what's really interesting and a challenge an actor faces quite often is the idea that you have an idea and I think she had an idea of how she would always like to play Brutus if given the chance and I think that idea I hope I'm not stepping out of line here or speaking out of turn that idea was based on a male portrayal I think Do you know what I mean it was it was very much based as based on her potentially playing him as as a man but being a female actor playing him as a Mm. man and the idea of playing Brutus as a woman is in my opinion a fantastic concept and I think it's going to go off brilliantly but it's affected how she prepares because particularly with these big roles and I've I've had it before when I've I've been very fortunate with the Young Shakespeare Company that I perform with and also in the summer with with Ovo I played some 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 big old parts as actors you digest a lot of this literature at an early stage when you're in your training and when you're doing your research, you have an idea in your head of, of what you think the part is. And almost inevitably, seven times out of 10, maybe you turn up to rehearsals and it's not necessarily an idea that fits with the scope of the production. It doesn't necessarily fit with what the director might have in mind. It's, um, it's, it's, it's a challenge. What I would say, and it's kind of brings us on quite nicely, typical segue for myself, it can quite often be a professional challenge, mm. but it's also a, a psychological challenge quite a lot of the well, time. Well, this is interesting because, yeah. you know, I think it's a lovely t- way of talking about mental health, which mm. is what we decided we wanted to talk around. Yeah. Um, because I read about the guy who played Jeffrey Dahmer in the Netflix series. Yeah. Being almost having a breakdown yeah. because he got into the head. I've forgotten his name. I know you'll find we'll work it out but he got into the head so much of the the real life character that he was portraying that it it really sent him a bit doolally and I think sorry that sounds a little bit trite it did really seriously affect him and 
I think, you know, that that's a really, you know, obvious thing that an actor who's really just delving in, our brains are such incredible, malleable, mm. sensitive things. And our emotions are come out of nowhere sometimes and surprise us. And as an actor, that must really yeah. get to you sometimes in some of the roles that you oh, take definitely. on. And like with Alice, with Brutus, I mean, it's a, it's a real seminal character in Julius Caesar. It's a, it's a, it's a real toughy role to play. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think it's um, Evan Peters, by the way. Um, Evan Peters, Darmy, Evan Peters. He's incredible. Fantastic actor. And, and that mm. series, uh, if you haven't caught it, my goodness, I, I think I've only watched, I, I can only bring myself to have watched the first That's the thing. episode. I, maybe. That, it, it, it's Oof. hard for us to watch. I haven't been able to watch it all. And I only started watching it because um, I found that Arlo had tripped over it on his Netflix watching. And sure. I thought, oh, I better go and see what he's watching. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is... It's Shocking. quite something. It's quite something. And it and it really does bring home actually that idea of how you know you prepare for a role, how deep you go, you know, mm. because I mean he clearly went like really into it. And, I think you only could. You know, exactly that, right. Yeah. Series. I mean, it's the only way to have done it. And you know, another example is is Heath Ledger, who sadly is no longer with us. And he, I mean, it's been claimed since by friends of his and family that you know his his was nothing to do with mental health per se but i'm inclined to disagree based on sort of the scope of what that conversation was which is that he was having trouble sleeping mm. while he was playing the joker the joker in you know in, in the batman film which is and an amazing performance incredible and you know i think it's worthwhile saying that he would still in my opinion have probably won the oscar had he been around and obviously then there's that whole kind of sort of thing around, well, maybe he won it because, you know, he, he won it posthumously because of things. But, you know, I thought it was a fantastic portrayal. But it's a really interesting point. We're going to sort of delve into on this episode sort of mental health in any industry and sort of how mm. you know, our own experiences of mental health. And, you know, we spoke with Ben a little bit about how, you know, fear plays a part in some people's decision making and fear leads to anxiety and things like that. I'm going to speak a little bit about that. But from yeah, an so acting... Ben was in a previous podcast. He was, yeah. Kill. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's very frank about how your mental health really does affect everything that, exactly that right. you do. Exactly. Um, but, but from an And we're very lucky yeah. in this day and age, actually, mm. I think that mental health does is recognized as oh, yeah. so important. Whereas when in my day, <laughs> like, here we go. This is what I was going to ask you. In my yeah. day, yeah. if you said my mental health is being affected, you'd be laughed out of the door. You know, it it really was. I mean, my day was one of those days, and and I think Ben was around at the tail end of the sort of early eight, late eighties, early nineties, when it was par for the course. If a man groped you, or if you, you know, had to, yeah. you know, put up with some very sexist or misogynistic language, it was just it was just there, and you dealt with it. And you know, you had to you had to really be tough and and you could never admit that something was getting to you you could never admit that you were suffering and nowadays at least we are in a place that it's out there that yeah. you know it's very much acknowledged but yeah I I think we're lucky but it's still a it's a big hill we're climbing especially post-pandemic 100% and yeah we've been through an extraordinary amount in the last two years you know as as a populace you know mm. as a society here in the UK obviously but also you know globally worldwide and and everyone experiences it and I read somewhere it was really interesting kind of bringing it sort of down the 
the PR route a little bit. I read somewhere that, you know, maybe it's more prolific, maybe it's more prevalent because we talk about it more. And I mean, I just, I massively disagree with, with that notion. It kind of builds on a point you just made, you know, the idea that, oh, just because more people feel more comfortable talking about it, it's kind of more prevalent in it because it's in some way endemic. Do you know what I mean? Because it's in yeah. some way gonna, you know, sort of drift and contagious. It's, it's not the case at all. You've hit the nail on the head. It was something that everyone experienced, but the environment was such, you know, that it couldn't, it wasn't it, acknowledged. It wasn't acknowledged. And that's the first thing. And, and and the second thing is something I was going to ask you, actually, it kind of builds on a sort of a PR point and something we've mentioned previously in the podcast series, the idea of the metaverse, right? The idea of, the, of this metaverse that we've spoken to many guests about. I think I raised a point earlier in the series, and I've also written it down uh, in a piece I've written for, for Demoso for a client. The idea that there are actually an alarming number of people who would rather exist online mm. than in real life because of situations revolving around their own mental health you know sort of the physical embodiment of that how how that manifests itself um, in their physical you know real world lives they'd rather exist digitally for Mm. you know long periods of time be who they want to be and there is a danger in that that's what i was gonna ask yeah what do you what do you think about that well, I know somebody, um, and I'm not going to mention them by name, but I know somebody who in the last, I'd say a decade ago, became quite a famous gamer and was spending a lot of their life, and I'm not even going to go down the gender side of things, gaming and having a, a gaming identity that was really famous in the Far East. And to the extent that this person had like literally a fan club, following but they were based here right and it became a very strange reality for them because they were doing it in a in a persona as well so it wasn't like them wasn't them as a person it was their persona that was the famous one and it distorted because it went on for such a long time distorted real reality Mm. with that reality because they are everything is a reality at some step you know yeah it is a reality, but it, it distorted the day their daily life to to the extent that they just didn't know how to create the balance mm-hmm. and cope. And I think a lot of that came about because it was an unusual situation. It wasn't something they could talk about, sure. and it wasn't something that they could share, and it wasn't something that they could see coming at them like a juggernaut of of a, you know a potential mental breakdown mm. because th- there was nothing before. There was nothing. There was no, no. precedent set. There was. You know, this was entirely alien and very new. And that leads me to think about how you can have a virtual identity in the metaverse, which you might feel is completely healthy. And as an older person, you know, I can think about these things. I have examples and I have things to follow and I have things to consider. Whereas a younger person who has this whole new world in the metaverse, you know, it, it is a concern that they understand how to how to get that balance. And the best way of making that balance happen is by talking about it, which sort of brings me sort of full circle back to thing, you know, that it's great the mental health is acknowledged now and it's talked about now. And the more we talk and the more we communicate, and we're coming back to that whole communication running through everything. Again, proud of you. Very, very good. <laughs> very good work. But yeah, it's it is all about communication, and it's about yeah. a healthy, open communication about 
everything to do with mental health and that includes virtual worlds that includes your online presence you know with the nearest thing that we can sort of match it to like the keyboard warriors on social media Mm. you know social media is seen as this great harmful thing because of you know children trying to sort of sex themselves up and look beautiful on Instagram or Mm. um, everybody being open to criticism via social media, you know, being trolled and everything else. And so everybody sort of goes down the negative part of all of that. But you've got to remember the positive side of things. Mm. You know, through social media, we're able to share more. We're able to do more together. For example, uh, an old teacher of mine and a, a father of my friend of mine, he passed away. Now, I don't think I would have heard about that no. as quickly as I did if it wasn't for social media. And so that's enabled us all to grieve together yeah, and to bring comfort. So I think we're in this weird world of much more open communication. Yeah. And I think we're all grappling with how to, how to manage that yeah. communication because there are, there's always the evil weevils in this world, which will make anything go bad. And yeah. But I think you've got to come back to your belief in human nature. And the majority of people are good, good willing. Yeah. They're not bad willing. Good intentioned. And, yeah. You know, so well, well intentioned. And I think it's a really interesting point you made there as well just now about how social media and the variety of different communications platforms we have at our disposal are very much a force for good. I mean, sort of, you know, without one is kind of bring the mood down, you know, talk about Dharma and all this sort of stuff. But like, you know, the sheer volume of stimuli we have now mm. in the world, kind of, in my opinion, not that mental health wasn't a thing 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. And I know I kind of I'm sort of ever so slightly going back on myself a little bit insofar as, you know, saying it's more of a thing now, because I think it's just been a thing in inverted mm. commas for for millennia you know it's been something that people you know have their own situations within and, and yeah. deal with it on a daily basis but the sheer volume of things now my kind of intention my objective if you like preparedness wise for this episode was kind of to talk about mental health in a business sense you know sort yeah. of you know, how 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 employees of businesses, how people who work within certain industries deal with mental health. But we're all consumers as well. Exactly. And we all live our daily lives. And... That's what I was about to say. Exactly right. Is is this idea that actually, you know, we, we go about our daily lives now with so many different inputs. informative inputs, you know, that our processing speed as the, <laughs> you know, kind of, you know, biological computers we are almost at times isn't quick enough. And that gets us down and, you know, we feel like we're not moving quickly enough or we feel like, you know, we're not succeeding in such a fast moving world. It's kind of a difficult topic to obviously discuss, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's a huge topic to discuss in the short space of time we have. But in the business world, we've spoken about work life balance, you know you've kind of your career trajectory we've, we've spoken about right at the top of the series in fact has kind of taken you from you know sort of the very start right up until sort of you know running and founding Demoso. i mean what's your experience been like and people you've interacted with your own experiences finding that work-life balance you know look you know self-care what, what's kind of been your experience there i think um question. <laughs> it's a huge question and a lot of my perspective is you know formed out of experience you know i've been working for myself for 30 years and I've made a lot of mistakes and I've been alone for the majority of that time 
with responsibility and that's in completely through choice mm. and i don't expect any sympathy or any you know anybody to say oh god blimey what you know how hard is that because everything has a everything has a balance so yeah i'm totally alone with the decisions i have to take and everything else and i've developed techniques uh to to help me make the right decisions hopefully but that's balanced that's helped me balance my life as well so you know i've been able to touch wood grow an amazing company with amazing people with people you know people are really important they're at the heart of Demoso. by no way do I hold myself up as you know a great boss or anything like that I aspire to be and I I aspire to think about everybody as individuals not just as workhorses and but it, that's constant and you you need to do that personally on the on the mental health side of things oh my lord I've had tough times there are certain things that get you through for me for a long time and I'll be frank about this I used to drink a lot and I you know I was very much product of the 80s when there was a lot of boozing there was a lot of drug taking I didn't do the drug taking but you know that's only because it just didn't float my boat it wasn't that I have any strong opinions either way about it but I came from that environment in the sort of the the late 80s and this you know the media world of lots of partying lots of drinking and I sort of carried that on and Mm. so I think you know a lot of my alleviation was far too much through alcohol and blotting things out and I'm not particularly proud of it but I decided made a decision that I didn't want to do that and so I'm four years sober now and I haven't you know I just decided one one day to just stop it and I haven't looked back and I'm really happy about that decision yeah and I wish and I've said when I mentor people when I talk to youngsters I say you know when I was young everyone's like oh you got to watch your health you got to watch your health and it was just it's a bit like when we were talking about the eco warriors and the apocalyptic vision of the climate change you just don't think down the line that your health is important or your yeah. mental health is important mm. when you're young and you know the whole world is that is your oyster and you've got no responsibilities but I look back now and I think wow I should have really been thinking about my mental health my health um and you know not sort of going down the lane of too much drinking um yeah. and, and alcohol and so now I'd say I'm fitter in my 50s than I ever was in my 20s you know, I train, I, I work out, I walk every day, um, you know, for at least an hour, you know, all those things. And they really do affect this. Yeah. Big time. And my mental health is so much better, the fitter I am. And Ben's very similar. He was on a previous podcast. Ben um, and I are very aligned. We both gave up drink around the same time, yeah. not together. It was <laughs> something we sort of found out about each other. Yeah. And he's like, you know, seriously into his jujitsu. Sure. And that really helps helps with mental health and I I totally think that you've got to have an element of self analysis mm. and self awareness and be able to view that juggernaut coming towards you and be able to be prepared, be prepared. have a plan and do something about it and he made a really interesting point didn't he Ben um from Kelvin on, on, on a previous episode of the podcast he said also I mean we, it was kind of within the framework of career um, but you and Ben kind of brought up the point where it's like never too late to reset. No. You know, and I think that's a really important mental health point, isn't it? You know, it's kind yeah. of never too late to kind of, you know, talk about it, you know, and, and, and be there. And and, and my, my parents are a, a, an excellent, you know, I, I don't have a problem talking about this either. You know, I, I come from a family who 
you know, an immediate family you have had in the past and continue to, to, to a great extent or a lesser extent, you know, suffer with, with their mental health. Um, touch wood, I'm kind of the exception that kind of proves the rule there. I think I've always been a very open person. Don't get me wrong, I, you know, suffer with my nerves a bit as I'm getting older because I have more responsibilities and that's something we'll, we'll discuss, I'm sure, in a later episode of the podcast or briefly today. But I've kind of, I've been quite lucky, touch wood, you know, I'm, I'm, but maybe it's also because I've had that in the forefront of my thinking is being mm. a support network. So I kind of haven't almost had a chance to, I've discussed this with my, with my wife, actually, almost hadn't had a chance to really consider stuff going on, you know, up here myself, because I've been supporting them. But I don't mind talking about this with my parents in particular. They, my, my dad in particular had a very similar situation, you know, 80s, getting involved in that sort of environment, getting involved in that sort of lifestyle and, and carrying it on. And he had a sort of bit of a short, sharp shock a few years ago, which has completely changed his life. I mean, he's been, we were speaking the other day, he's almost three years now uh, sober, hasn't had a drink. Um, that was a very much a short, sharp shock from a, from a medical perspective. Um, but it's kind of had the same effect. You know, he, mm. his, his life has changed. He feels, you know, fitter physically. You know, he's eating a lot better. You know, he's up crack of dawn every day and not going to bed until late at night because he just feels like he has more energy. But his mind, even though, you know, he's suffered with his sort of memories a little bit, his mind is so sharp. You know, I mean, he's there, you know, but his mind is also, he said something way, way back. Uh, he'll probably correct me on this if he listens to it. He feels like his mind's healthier. You know what I mean, he feels like his mind is, and it's a muscle. I believe yeah. that. Do you know what I mean? I do believe that. Do you know what I mean? It's something you train it's also something you should look after. You know, you can overtrain it, you can overstimulate it, you should look after it. And he said his mind feels a lot healthier, less cluttered, you know, less cluttered with worry. And and it, lifestyle changes can can make a difference, but also just the fact that he's felt increasingly able to open up and talk about his past, talk about what went on, you know, not be afraid to sort of dip into that. Fear. Yeah, fear. Fear is, is a horrible thing. Fear and worry. Yeah. You know, these are things that are programmed into us as primal instincts. And we kind of like worry makes us think ahead, makes us prevent things happening. Mm. Fear makes us react to situations that we should be wary of. But we can take those too far mm. and we can get overwhelmed, completely overwhelmed with them, yeah. especially if there's two or three things happening in your life that aren't working for you. Mm. So let's say something's happening to you in your personal life and you're worried that that will come into your work life. Mm. And then that fear can become like a huge barrier and it can mm. actually stop you. It be, becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy mm. and can stop you performing at work because you're so worried about things. Yeah. I When I'm speaking to people who naturally, I've seen lots of people go through awful things in their and I say naturally, you know, over 30 years, you will see lots of things. And I've seen people going through horrible things in their personal lives and having to keep working, obviously, to keep the food on the table and yeah. the mortgage paid and having to work through it. And this is where I come back to that, you know, the sharing side of things is is so important. A lot of people worry that they're going to be judged if they say, mm. I'm struggling. They worry that that judgment will be given to them by the people they work with, it'll affect their career hopes, the career prospects, or even being judged by their doctor. People yeah. worry that if they go to their doctor, the doctor will put it on their record and that will somehow affect the rest of their days. Mm. And it's it's trying to help people sort of compartmentalise or break these problems down mm. to say, okay, if you just had that one thing happen to you, what would you do about it? 
Mm. Oh, I do this. Well, therefore, you've got a plan for that one thing. What about the second thing that's worrying you? Mm. You break them down and you create plans of action and actually do something about it. You feel much better. Yeah, proactive. Doing something. But you can't break those things down if your brain is overwhelmed. The brain is an amazing thing. It's helping us breathe. We forget. What our brain does for us, it helps us breathe, it helps us move, it helps us digest what we, helps us, you know, process chemicals. Yeah. It's just there's so much going on in this <laughs> thing in our head yeah. that how we can cope, how it can cope with emotion and movement yeah. and everything else. And we just, I think we underestimate how bloody brilliant this is we really do. up here. You know, and it, it, it can be, it can be our greatest, it can be our greatest sort of weapon, our greatest asset. And it can also be our, our, our single worst enemy at times, kind of sort of overthinking and sort of processing things Absolutely. so so quickly and 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 and, o- and over processing, you know. And and you know, sadly, you know, kind of we we we've not got huge amounts of time today. But I was just wondering if I could ask you like one final question. I mean, your experience as a as a boss, as an employer, you yeah. know, have you you know, without mentioning any names and using they no, no, no. as well, um, you know, sort of for, for the benefit of their their own privacy, but. But, you know your experience of, of sort of working with people and 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 how do you manage mental health from a from an employer's perspective you know how do you manage your you know do you find you have to adjust ways of communication adjust ways yeah of i of try to encourage i try to encourage open communication as far as you can mm. but i also sometimes I'm, I'm into a bit of tough love sure as well mm. because we all i wallow we all can wallow a bit <laughs> as well yeah and sometimes, you know, telling somebody about it yeah. doesn't mean that that person is going to fix it for you. Mm. I mean, it's great when you're aware and you can bring that to the, the table. And I'm talking early stages of stuff. I'm not talking about down the line when somebody's really in trauma. I'm talking about early stages. I'm talking about helping you stay aware to manage your mental health, to keep everyone working together in the best way possible so that everybody is feeling cared for, respected, looked after, nurtured. And if you've got that environment, hopefully, cross fingers, you don't get down the line to a crisis or a trauma. So that's what I encourage on the on the day-to-day side of things. As a boss, I want people to talk to me. I want people to tell me what's happening. I will not judge. I say I will not judge. And at the end of the day, whether you're working for me or working for anybody else, if you can get into the habit of being aware of your own mental health, you're, you know, you're a real step forward. Mm. When it comes to crisis and when it comes to trauma, that's something completely different, and that has to be taken really, really seriously. Yeah. So when I just said wallow, I didn't mean wallow in the sense of, you know, if somebody's in crisis and trauma, they're wallowing. They're not. And this person that I mentioned before, who was living in a different reality, I've helped them on their journey, or I've tried to, and they really have been through a traumatic journey. But to help people recognize themselves when somebody's in trauma and in crisis is usually they are feeling that they should be doing better themselves Mm. or they should be like other people or other people seem to have this great life. And what, you know, how come I can't do that? And they're usually incredibly down on themselves, but also quite almost too ambitious saying, well, I should be doing this and I should be doing that and I should be doing. And I think when somebody's in that, they need to get help yeah. and they need to be helped to understand that nobody is judging and they can't be ambitious for them so that they have to get the help and they have to take yeah. things in baby steps in the right way with the right professionals 
And this is another thing. I'm not a mental health professional and nobody, uh, you know, that's usually in business is. Mm. And the the professionals are incredible and uh, wonderful people. And, you know, that sometimes you can do more harm than good. You have to recognize as a boss that there are certain things you can't do and you have to be aware of where you can steer somebody. I think that's so important. Mental breakdowns are a series, if not more serious than physical breakdowns. Because with a physical breakdown, you can see the damage. You can see something that's that's happening to somebody. But the mental breakdown, it's not that apparent. It's harder. And as we just said earlier on, your brain affects everything that goes on. It can shut you down. It yeah, can shut can. you down and does shut you down. Yeah. So I'm all about the mental health charities and I do think they should be more supported. It was really interesting was I know we're, we're on a bit of a timer, but I was at the British Business Excellence Awards sponsored by Lloyds Bank. Andrew, the managing director and Jessica and Imogen from the team at Home House and Homegrown Private Members Club, shout out to them, took me along to the awards and hopefully Andrew's going to come on the podcast soon to talk about yeah, excited. a private members club. And they have, uh, Lloyds Bank has Mental Health UK as a charity. And the lady stood up on the stage and she said, is anybody in the room aware of mental health? Everyone put their hand up. Is anybody in this room concerned about the mental health of somebody else that they know or a family member? Pretty much all of the room put their hand up. It was quite a stunning thing to see. Yeah. and it and she was brilliant to do that yeah. because it was just like oh very my brave, god, very brave, very bold statement. Do you know what I mean? Something on a platform like that to really and see all these British business leaders from wow. all you know big companies across the nation, and everybody's holding their hand up. And she's like, "There you go, you know this is still a problem, and this needs yeah. money, and it needs help." So uh, you know, a big shout out to Mind to uh, the Med- Mental Health UK. Mental health UK. Um, Put them on your charities lists. You know, they are just as important as, you know, your your heart foundation or your cancer. Mental health is just as important. And so, you know, it really made me sit up and think, wow, this is really important. We're going to link a few of those. um, Brilliant. Charities on our our episode description as well uh, for, for this week's episode. We'll no doubt sort of you know address uh more more issues surrounding mental health in business and things like that in in future episodes as we talk with guests as well you know i feel like it's a very important thing to to sort of talk talk quite openly about and and you're so right something i could learn from just to finish off uh, this particular episode something i can learn from i'm sure uh, from my own sort of uh, history uh, in speaking to people about their own mental health is you know you don't you don't have to be the solution sometimes i find that i have to be the solution to sort of all sorts of things and i'm talking to people about problems they might be facing issues they might be having you don't have to be that you just have to sort of be a soundboard for them to talk about what they're going through openly and then like you quite rightly say jackie like these professionals can be the solution can can be the help because they're trained and they're amazing and they're brilliant at what they do and they can be incredibly supportive but i do think if we can be as honest and open with each other as possible and help each other take actions Mm. that helps prevent you getting to the crisis stage all the better all the better yeah and before I go into my traditional T's and C's at the end of this podcast, it goes without saying that I think this was something that I just felt really strongly we had we had to have a bit of a chat about. Yeah. And it goes without saying it's a very, very simple point. You know, talk to someone, 
if you're listening to this podcast and you're facing issues with your own mental health or you know someone who is experiencing issues themselves there's some amazing charities out there that will link in the description and talk to someone be open about it you know we exist in an environment now where it's important to talk be open uh, illuminate people to what you're going through because you know help is, is very very close by if you need it and we'll link those uh, charities and those websites and those resources in our description uh, if you want to know a bit more about what the podcast has been up to what the podcast will be up to because andrew is just one of many guests we're going to be having on the podcast very very soon then head over to the rest is pr.com uh, head over to demozo.com if you want to hear more about what demozo has been up to in the wonderful wide-ranging world of pr if you want to get in touch with us as ever it's info at the rest is pr.com or info at demozo.com jackie wrapped up nice and warm ready for your day yeah uh, same time again next week absolutely wonderful stuff thank you so much listeners she has been wonderful jackie i have been Lyle, and we'll see you next week for another fantastic episode of the rest is pr bye for now